Welcome back to the Doom is Dead podcast, sponsored by In the Keep at InTheKeep.com and the Multiplayer Doom Federation at DoomFederation.com. It's been brought up a few times that we should properly introduce ourselves instead of making everyone guess who the hell we are and which one of us is actually talking. I am one of the hosts, Human Bones, and I helped create the Multiplayer Doom Federation alongside our other host, Do. And you don't normally hear his voice until we get a few minutes in, which has been a real shame. So please do say a few words. Hello, everyone. I Hello. don't really have an intro prepared, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. As long as they get to know who you are, I think we're good with that. Uh, today on the podcast, we are lucky to have one of Doom Multiplayer's fiercest competitors, who just so happens to also be one of the friendliest guys around. I am speaking of course, about our good friend Disparal. Disparal is widely regarded by his peers as one of the strongest players in the game right now. He has been an active participant in several seasons of the World Doom League and the Doom Masters League, establishing himself as a menace throughout the regular season and the playoffs. He has also performed strongly in both Take the Crown events in 2020, winning the second qualifier of the duel event and placing in the top eight of the FFA event. Disparal is also a well-established figure of the Jump Maze scene, the racing mod which focuses on pure movement speed and skill. From there, it was only a small leap to the world of speedrunning, where he's been quickly building a reputation for himself in recent times. As of today, he holds several episode run records for the Ultimate Doom. Please welcome to the show, Disparal. Hello. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. You did your homework on me. <laughs> That's, I'm flattered, to be honest. But uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, everything you just said was pretty much, uh, yeah, like a good, pretty good summary of my Doom career, yeah. Great, well, that was a great episode, I guess we should just end it there. Uh, no, I mean, you know, we have to, we have to do our homework, you know, I can't, I can't just start talking and, you know, we gotta give, we gotta give people the proper introduction, especially when there's someone like you on the other side. Why would you mean you ask me to do the homework? Hey, you know... We have to work together. Um, I have my <laughs> perspective and my experiences with this barrel and do love speedrunning. So it all meshes together really well. Uh, so, Disparal, um, you have a pretty unique story. I think there are... I mean, I honestly don't know any other Doom players that are from Syria. Um, there might be maybe one or two that have come around. Um, so I think that gives you a really unique perspective on... I mean, not just Doom, but gaming itself, because pretty much everyone we've spoken to has been, uh, you know, part of the free world uh, at large. So why don't you tell us about your history, your gaming history, and how you found yourself um, playing Doom? Yeah, as a Syrian, like, there aren't that many Syrian gamers, not just talking about Doom specifically, but just in general, like... Gaming is such a bizarre thing to do in Syria. And even to a certain extent, even like uh, the entirety of the Middle East, just for us, like the Arabian culture, like spending time on your computer on gaming is like uh, pretty much like thought to be really bad, a bad thing to do. So as a Syrian gamer, I had to go through a lot of things both uh, in terms of quality of my setup or my gaming or my internet, etc. 
and in terms of being able to sit down and play on my computer. Uh, in terms of Doom, I've basically known Doom from like from childhood. Like I was like three years old. Like pretty like pretty much any other millennial. We all know Doom from our childhood, but most of us forget about it. I, on the other hand, since it was the first game I've ever like looked into, the first game that I've seen on a screen for the first time, uh, it, it just caught my eye and I've and I was never able to forget about it. So eventually, with the years passing, uh, I pretty much it was yeah it was during the Syrian war that when I decided to sit down on my computer and play Doom again. So technically speaking, it was around like 2011 when the Syrian war happened. Oh, so right when, right when the war started. Yeah. So it was like in 2011, the, the lack of being able to uh, get out of my house for any reason at all, uh, basically helped me like bring up excuses to my family to just sit on my computer all, all day and do nothing. So I eventually like got really bored from doing anything on my computer and I decided to launch up Doom again. And I've realized that even, even though it's such an old game, it's still really fun to play. And that's when I decided to try and look to see if the game is still... Uh, not just being played online, but just like, uh, how do I put it? No, yeah, just just checking if the entirety of the game is still alive. Like, yeah, if if yeah, basically, if yeah, Doom is dead. yeah, <laughs> right. Pretty much what Do said, where uh, just check if the community is still alive, if the game is still thriving, uh, and the first thing that I came into was Skull Tag. But not Skulltag as a community or the forums or anything, but just a program alone. So I would I would spend months just playing with bots offline and having like imaginary conversations with them. <laughs> I know it's pathetic, but I had to start somewhere, right? Uh, and then like. I think I ended up like eventually getting bored of the bots, obviously, and I started searching again, and that's when I stumbled upon Z Demon. I think it was around 2012 when I stumbled upon Z Demon. So I would play like regular cooperative of like the Doom IWATs, and I would just go in, see like one or two players, and I would simultaneously want to open like 30 different conversations with them but at the same time i would say absolutely nothing because i'm afraid of like saying or, or like upsetting them or being being an idiot or something like that but then eventually like i moved back to Skulltag once i realized that it had an online community as well since i the z demon kept the uh, vanilla settings which I honestly didn't like that back then. So when I found out that Skulltag has has an online community of its own, I decided to go there as well to test it. Unfortunately, the only thing that grabbed my attention back then was Zombie Horde. 
which is a pretty popular online mode for those of you out there who are not aware what it is. Which is uh, like a, a co-op thing where people play against uh, uh, against hordes of monsters, right? It's basically like just two teams, the human team or the oh, marines okay. or whatever you want to call them. The other one's just zombies that try to infect the humans and turn them into zombies. Okay. I've actually played that for quite a while. I think somewhere around like like two years straight, nothing but zombie horde. I eventually got bored of it as well. And some of the people in zombie horde have been telling me about other mods, such as Jump Maze and GVH, Ghouls versus Humans. And uh, they've also been telling me about competitive. So by then, like... Once I got bored of Zombie Horde, I've decided to move on and try other things. And while the other mods were like also really fun, but the thing that caught my attention was competitive. The fact that it kept its like vanilla gameplay, but made it so much more fun. And like even back then, this the skill the skill cap for it was like really high for me. I would just watch everyone like move around and shoot with such precision that I would I would like completely like lose uh, lose confidence. I was like I- I'm never getting this good. But when was I? I think yeah. I think now that I think about it, the thing. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's sort of amazing. Like you're describing. Uh, sort of like a, a rise from a complete casual like who starts playing with with bots and things like oh this is awesome i'm i'm killing these bots and then you progress slowly to to some co-op stuff with with some people online then you go into the first hints of competitive scene it's it's sort of it's such a like you you could almost track the progress from like a scrub to to <laughs> now your like status of of the best DM player around <laughs> and uh, one of the top speedrunners and everything like nice. <laughs> everything I've mentioned so far, the reason why I'm mentioning them all is that as as a gamer from from the Middle East, everything that I had to go through was something that I never thought is humanly possible. I was like, there's no way that Doom has an online community. There's no way that I'll be able to play this with other people around the world. It was so bizarre for me. So when when it actually happened, it just like filled my heart with joy. It made me so happy <laughs> knowing that a game that exploring. I really liked has a community. Yeah, like exploring uh, the unknown uh, was the, the self motivating factor. I would like to. I would like to ask. Like this, you you said that you were basically started. Uh, you started playing uh, during the war, and in Syria, like, like you're from Damascus, right? Yes. So, like, what was what was the the internet like? Just, was it available, like, or were there like you know uh, blackouts? Because that's a, that's a pretty crazy situation. Oh yeah, yeah. I probably should have uh, dived into more details during that era. Uh, in terms of the internet, 
before the war, the internet was like all right. The during that time, like you'd have a typical connection of like four or eight megabits per second. But once Wait, the war still, begun, uh, just just to jump in, this is basically the situation in like Damascus, which is a, a big city uh, with like relatively uh, high, uh, you know, infrastructure and everything. Yeah, that's it's not basically an urban exactly area. The case yeah. For the rest of Syria. Yeah, I mean uh, that this situation, like like the having the internet of that quality, that was like you were living in Damascus, so that was available in there specifically. Probably not as much in the rest of Syria. Oh, but definitely. When the war struck, all of all of the sudden, even Damascus was hit with all sorts of trouble. Yeah, the majority of Syria doesn't have that kind of technology. The majority of Syria, especially back then, like we're, we're basically like the medieval age where it's just like farmers, regular life, something like that. But the few urban areas in, in Syria, like Damascus and a few other cities, like it, it, it did have some technology. We had internet, we had everything that we needed. And since I... Uh, even though I'm Syrian, I've uh, I've spent most of my life outside of Syria, so th- that also like uh, helped with me being aware of the technology. Since uh, United Arab Emirates was more technologically advanced than Syria, so I would like my my father would be like constantly bringing the technology with him from the United Arab Emirates to our house, including like high-tech computers and all that. Uh, But even then, once the war started, our internet quality, like, hit rock bottom in every single way. Uh, Like, in terms of internet quality, we dropped down to, like, a speed of 512 kilobits per second. And and the, the router that was originally right beside my computer was now at the opposite end of the house with, like, the the infrastructure of our house has all those, like, jamming signals. Is that what they're called? Basically, like, jamming objects. So if I try to use wireless on my computer all the way to the router, I would have around, like, a ping of 2,000. I remember (laughs) trying it on... uh, ghouls versus humans. I would constantly have a ping of 2,000. It would never go down. It was hell. But uh, but eventually, like, after after like several months of whining, my, my father finally, like, uh, uh, did a hole in the wall or something? I, I don't actually remember what he did exactly, but I was able to connect wire instead. And... Uh, the internet quality actually like went up a little bit more by then for for it to at least be playable. Well, right, because I mean, even now, like like even now for you, your ping's still not great, and that's I think part of why people think that you're. I mean, besides obviously your playing ability and and all of that, but I think that's that's part of why you're viewed as such a dominant player because your connection really isn't great. 
and you're still beating the crap out of all of us. So, yeah, just wanted to throw well, that in there. <laughs> to be fair, like uh, the internet quality right now and the situation with Syria in general right now is almost as bad as it was eight years ago. But we'll get uh, we'll get into that later. <laughs> uh, where was I? The problem with Syria is that we'd also ha- like constantly have our internet just cut off. Our electricity would suddenly cut off. E- even sometimes our water supply would just suddenly cut off. I just we'd never know what's gonna come next. So I would be in a constant uh, like in a situation where I cannot really. Uh, commit myself to anything for too long. Yeah, so, I mean, hearing about all those things, it doesn't really even sound real. I mean, it's just incredible that, you know, you were able to get through that situation. I mean, I know it's, like you said, it's not it's not so great right now, but, I mean, well, to be able to... Yeah, go we, ahead. We can sort of emphasize these days about the part where you can't go out and do anything outside. <laughs> But, like, imagine this situation without the internet. <laughs> yeah, it would basically be, like, suddenly just pitch black, no electricity, and no internet. We'd have literally nothing to do. I would be like, well, they cut off the internet. Guess I'm going to sleep 7 p.m. today. It, it, was, it was really bad. Well, you, but, you could play with your brother's. Hell no. Like what? Uh, I mean, problem is that two of my younger brothers are were like seven or eight years uh, difference in age, but like our interests are completely different. And my older brother, who is two years older than me, is like he would actually constantly like still go out despite the problems. It was like ignore what my dad says and just like keeps going out and tries to hang out with his friends and all that. He usually like get a scolding at the end of the night and then grounded for like the next two weeks, but he'd still do it again anyways. But I'd never really like spent time with him. So in a sense, that was good in that I had nothing else to do but to sit on my computer and which ended up with me playing Doom. So uh, fast forward a few years where we left off, uh, like, so you're, uh, you know, uh, testing out the waters for uh, the competitive scene. Uh, how did you get into that? Well, that's such a weird time, too, to have started playing Skulltag or Zandronum because, I mean, I'm pretty sure Skulltag became Zandronum in 2012, which is right around the time that you started playing and those mods were were big i mean it there wasn't really that competitive well maybe there was but i, I don't think it was um the same as maybe like the zdaemon community um in 2012 the competitive community uh so it was just it's a, it's a really interesting time for someone to have started playing online doom because it was just not it was very heavy in the mod scene so zombie horde gvh that kind of thing. Yeah, in terms of mods, it was still like thriving. So for the longest time I've played Zombie Horde, I just like didn't really think about 
whether the community is alive or dead or anything like that. I just saw players in the Zombie Horde server. I was like, well, time to spend several more hours today on Zombie Horde. But once I got out of that and into the competitive, I think the person who dragged me into the competitive for the first time, uh, I think it was Teletha, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, Teletha created the clan Mithril, which... For the Doomers out there, it's a pretty uh, famous clan, let's just say that. I think it was Teletha that dragged me out from Zombie Horde, and I joined their clan, and I started doing, like, clan scrims and stuff like that. I don't remember when it was exactly, though. Wasn't Teletha just just an alias for Zaken? Uh, No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Teletha was... I'm pretty uh, sure he used that alias at some point. If he did, he was probably <laughs> pulling a joke on Teletha then, because it was a pretty big story back then with Teletha. Like, it was basically a guy pretending to be a girl, and he had several aliases. Oh, okay. Yeah, eventually, Wario and the A3 people oh, like, drove yeah, her, him out. Which, uh, once the clan died, Teletha's clan died. Uh, uh, Dragon uh, like basically started uh, hanging out with me back then but unfortunately I didn't join his clan yet I joined uh, uh, a different clan but but eventually basically uh, the one who actually like dragged me into competitive leagues and tournaments it, it was Dragon uh, I believe the first tournament I've signed up to was one that Stahl hosted uh, I don't remember the name of the tournament or league, though. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was, some, it was something on Zandronum, right? Yeah, it was on yeah. Zandronum, yes. But I just can't remember. It, it was around 2013. That was the very first uh, tournament that I've signed up to. Unfortunately, though, I wasn't drafted. <laughs> probably for for like probably for the better good. My my connection probably would have not handled an entire tournament. But 2014 was when I got drafted for the first time in a Doom League. It was IFL, I believe. But yeah, basically, once Dragon dragged me into the competitive community, I, uh, I've i never got out. I've been playing in almost every league since then. Problem is, is that I wasn't aware that uh, IDL was a thing at all, which is why I've never signed up to any of them. But eventually in well, 2017... At that point, IDL sort of like di- was dying. Like the, it was the, the final season. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's just around that time when IDL was basically dying and WDL was becoming a thing. Like So, so you're just at the edge of when things were changing rapidly in the community. Yeah, Skulltag died and Zandronum came and then IDL died and WDL came. So, like, I'd imagine that the activity of the competitive scene was at an all-time low. I've still somehow managed to stay despite the inactivity. But uh, I've never... Now that I think about it, I wasn't aware of WDL all the way until 2017. 
that's when I first signed up to WDL. Yeah, right, and that's that long-running problem of presentation and promotion because yes. we were always just you know advertising in the same old circles. Uh, so the influx of new people was really poor and slow at all times, basically, because you just you just posted to the same forums, and the forums were long dead and basically used by the same people. So. There was never any any newcomer, except for for random stra uh, like stragglers who would just randomly trip in. Yeah, well, it was once again Dragon that dragged me into WDL. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about Xandronum is it never really had. It tried, but it never really had a successful CTF league. I mean, you can't really have. I mean, I guess you can now, but. Back then, it was really hard to have a successful league that competed with the IDL or the WDL because they were running, you know, three seasons a year. Um, and so, you know, even though that stuff was on Z-Damon and then later Odomex, there was always this faction of people that really liked Xandronum. So I think I IFL was Dragon's League, was it not? Yes. And uh, yeah, so IFL was Dragon's League. It was European. So that was, you know, the the poor European players have been um, ignored for for a decade and a half. Um, but I think I played with you in an IFL league, and I didn't know who you were. I I just uh, you know I happened to I think Dragon maybe made me sign up or something. I don't know. You know how Dragon is, and um, <laughs> I ended up I ended up on a team with you and Blitz of all people and somebody else. And Toby. Um, and that was the first time, and Toby, right, right, right. And uh, that was the first time I knew you. And that must have been around the time that you signed up for WDL, which was 2017, which, you know, at that point, it's like th it's three seasons, three years in. So it's really interesting how you went from being undrafted, well, it, even further back, playing, playing with bots by yourself, <laughs> zombie horde, Joining a CTF league and going undrafted, and then just like bursting out, and you know now you're a captain more or less everywhere that you can, you know when you have the time, and so it's just a it's a really cool story. I mean, there's, there's not many players that can do that. I think another factor that uh, yeah, uh, another factor that came into play eventually it was it was after I I like became a competitive player is that. Uh, because of uh, issues we had, I would constantly be traveling between uh, Syria and United Arab Emirates, where in Syria, while I'd have more free time, I'd uh, be basically unable to use my mic and communicate with my team, and I would uh, have like uh, like worse internet. And in, in UAE, I, I would have less free time, but I would have much better internet and I'd be always like uh, alone in my room and I'd be able to communicate my team. Unfortunately, I would like end up not signing up to many things because as I said, I wouldn't have the time for it. So I, I'd constantly have to change between being free, but not being able to play or being able to play, but not having the time to do it. 
So these these uh, trips to uh, United Arab Emirates, that's like uh, you were traveling there with your father or how, how did that like occur? Yeah, we'd basically be like, we'd move like twice a year, I believe. With uh, like, it would just it would be me and my brothers and uh, my parents. Mm-hmm. Just move and then settle for several months and then go back, settle for several months and then go back. Is there any reason behind doing that? It was uh, mostly like uh, financial issues, especially with the uh, the war happening in Syria. Uh, right. my, my father's financial issues would like hit rock bottom and he'd travel to UAE and then like make a few bucks there and then come back to Syria and then lose them again. And uh, like staying in UAE wasn't uh, possible or was that? Uh, it's mostly because we already had uh, a house that we own in Syria. But in UAE, we'd have to constantly like rent an apartment. Well, so uh, when you started actually signing up, you know, on a larger scale, like when your your first introduction to WDL, um, twenty seventeen, were you in Syria at that time, or you were in UAE? I was in UAE. Okay, that's what I thought because, yeah, you. You got drafted onto. It was what Demons. team were you on? Uh, the Dream Team. Okay, okay, right, and that was, I think, you started showing up um, in private CTF, and people were like, "Well, who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> you know, and then I remember thinking when Demon Sphere drafted you, like, "That how is anyone ever going to score a flag on you guys?" I mean, that must have been that must have been really cool to. Um, you know, to be your first season in WDL to be drafted onto a team like that and, and get that kind of experience. Yeah, I think back then I had a ping of 230. Uh, j- just just remembering it, it was a painful experience. That's it? People would like shoot twice before I would shoot. But I think I was the main runner of the team when I, when I first started. But Demonsphere eventually trusted me and uh, started putting me on defense instead. Like I, I'm still kind of amazed that that's even possible. Uh, like, okay, we've made strides in in uh, ping reconciliation, but still, like quarter second of extra extra lag. That that's a hefty sum. <laughs> like, <sighs> it's really painful. Yeah, like where you at the position where just like suddenly it started getting sort of like better that you just started predicting people or how how is that even possible? <laughs> uh, I think I think it was like my, my ping was just generally bad back then, so I was kind of used to it. Even even on Zandronum, uh, it was mostly like American uh, prize that was happening. So even on Zandronum, I would play with a ping of 200, which is, I mean, sure, it's 30 ping less, but it's still pretty high. So but so I was used to it, but what I wasn't used to was Automix, because 
back then I was playing on Automix for the first time, so I had to like adjust to that. But uh, I don't know what made Demon's Fear change his tactics and put me on defense. But I guess it worked out since we made it all the way to finals. Right, and that's like, imagine that. Your first season signing up for something, you get on Demon's Fear's team, he trusts you enough to put you on defense and you guys make it all the way to the finals. I mean, that's just... It's like Du said, it's like it's amazing that we've gotten to this point because I can't... Like right now, okay, I, I live in California and so if I'm going to play on a European server, my ping is, you know... Probably about two hundred, and um, I mean, maybe maybe like ten years ago when I still had reflexes or something, I could play. But now I find it really, really difficult, and uh, I don't know. It's just it's not easy. So then to look at someone like you, I'm just I'm still amazed. Um, so so yeah, you did really well that first season, and then you had a couple you had a couple seasons after that as well that you that you've played. I think like three or four more seasons. Do you captain in the WDL? It was the next season, actually, I believe, when uh, uh, Altstab asked me if I if I was willing to cap, and I did. Uh, I believe it was yes. The name was Quantum Power, is what I called the team. I drafted Dragon. Uh, I'm one HP zero and Langrenus, which. Sounds like a really good team right now, but back then, like people just thought, like, who the hell is Langridus? Who the hell is M1? Like, Spiral is screwed with that team. But even then, we managed to make it all the way to um, quarterfinals. I think, yeah, we faced you in quarterfinals and yes. lost, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a crazy that was a crazy game because um, you know. You so now so now you're a captain, which is pretty crazy. This is like an insane rise really quickly, and so you get you get dragon for twenty eight bucks, and I've done this too. I've taken dragon for twenty eight dollars, and you know people are always they just laugh at it because they don't they don't you know I don't, maybe they don't know how to draft. I don't know, but then you pick up I am one HP U zero, and he's. You know, he's not a name that that uh, that people are like going for every single season necessarily because he's not quite as active as the rest of us. Um, but he's still a really good player, so you proved right away that you were able to actually draft a team. And then, yeah, to have Langrenus stashed on your bench, like you look at it now and you're like, "Holy crap!" But um, you had a really good season, and I think uh, if I remember that game. Um, it was like a six round game or something silly. Like you guys, one or two things go your way. You could have made it to the semifinals, you know, in your first season as a captain. So, um, yeah, I mean, you just, you basically, I talked about this, um, a little bit with Ralph's, uh, with Ralph's podcast last week or last month. Um, and there was not really room for European players or basically anyone that's not an American player. Um, to to win and players like you um, change that thinking because if you look at who won in like the first eight or nine seasons of the IDL it was all American players it was you would never nobody would ever draft a European as a third and expect to win a master bowl or a finals and so you know uh, to have teams like yours that team was completely 
um, you know, not full of, yeah. And it's like, you guys did so well. I mean, it just, I think you're, you're part of the, you know, the, the force that has, that has flipped things around where people are now like, yeah, I can take someone from a different continent and it doesn't matter, you know, what their ping is. They can still play better than, you know, this person or this person. So you've kind of changed the thinking of, you know, how people draft and how people look at teams. So it's really, really cool. It's also like it speaks to the progress of, of the ports that has been made. Because uh, I don't know if you remember that, but at one point uh, in IDL, there was actually a Euro team because uh, Nero was, was a captain. Like, yeah, that was an experiment. And it ended up being a team of him, uh, Mortology, and me. And it didn't go well. Even though, like, we had Mortology, who was still one of the best uh, fraggers of all time. Like, th- that guy was a machine. But simply, uh, the demon, the old one, a 108, uh, not going to happen. Like, uh, you would fail that that super important shot, you know. So, like ten years, fast forward ten years, and you can see how how things changed in the entire thinking. Like, yeah, maybe maybe we can even use like Brazilians. Maybe we can use people from the Middle East. That's like holy crap. <laughs> That wasn't uh, possible at all uh, around 2010. I was actually not aware that I've changed this perspective of the American players, I guess, since it was mostly American leagues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's been the history. I mean, everyone, we've tried to do small little things. Like the the precursor to Vengeance was Vendetta. and. Yeah. That's, you, that's, yeah. I can, I can tell. Uh, basically, first of all, there was uh, ECDL, which was the the European league that mimicked uh, IDL, and that that was a pretty huge one in Europe. Actually, that it 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 was just one season, but it was pretty pretty wildly successful, to be honest. And then uh, there was uh, there was Vendetta. That was organized by Thaddeus of UBR. And yeah, that was clan-based. And uh, the first one was clan-based, at least. And that was a pretty... Uh, like, it, it was full of drama, as, as everything with clans involved. That was so dramatic. Uh, but it was the first most serious attempt at making a European capture the flag... Yeah tournament event but then there was uh the first vengeance or wait like it was still called vendetta but but like no i think we called it vengeance and uh no no i mean still organized oh vendetta too yeah yeah. but it was already uh you know using using uh uh, like sign-up teams not not clans because the clan stuff, uh, like the entirety of, of the clan structure was being destroyed, torn down, everything. So that was, and, and this one is the first one where I remember that actually like a lot of Americans signed up for the European League. And 
it was a success. Like they actually contributed, and it was it was really really tight. Like I think we actually. Uh, yeah, I, I signed up. Uh, K five M Y H. It was me, Mike Hale, No Star, White Boy. There was somebody else there too. Um, yeah, and I think I think in the end, my team was actually uh, second because we lost by flag count to a team that was uh, that was Devisin, uh, someone else, and Rust King. If I remember correctly, so, so it was like two Europeans and and, uh, and an American for the for for the like, you know, uh, right. the main event. And the team, my team, was, uh, I think, I think it was something ridiculous. Like, okay, it was Devisin, Terska, and Trust King. So that makes sense. But my team was me, Titan, and I'm not sure who. <laughs> But it was a strong team. <laughs> but I mean, that was, you know, to, to bringing that up, you know, that was really the only example of a a European presence or European league oh, yeah. going on. And then I really liked the idea after playing in Vendetta of the flags being the, the primary indicator of, you know, not rounds won, but flags scored. And so when Dew and I were running the IDL, that's when we came up with, we did a small vengeance thing. We didn't want to name it Vendetta. So we were like, oh, what's another, you know, interesting vengeance. So very creative. Uh, and so we, we ran that and that was also European, but it just never caught on. So there, all these major leagues or whatever have been all um, based on American, you know, American servers, New York, Chicago, Atlanta. Um, and so it's really never been completely open to the world. So that's mostly why you never would see a European player win. And it was only until the stuff with Z Damon, you know, um, but ev eventually once we moved to Odomex and uh, Zandronum had some development behind it as well, I think you started to see more players, um, you know, more openings for, for players from different continents to be able to be dominant in leagues. Um, but it's still, um, there's still never been something that is completely 100% uh, geared towards European players. So um, I think that's just, you know, that's just been the way, it, the way it's been. Yeah, yeah. The European uh, leagues and tournaments were always sort of one-off events, in, at least in the CTF scene. Like, uh, honestly, we, we basically had more dual stuff than America did in, in like the turn of the, uh, you know, uh, the first decade, like around 2010, 2012. That was when uh, American dueling was sort of like at its lowest. <laughs> and everyone was just, just playing IDL and WDL. So it, it was like a trade-off of like uh, a different focus because this was the time when Europe was really, really seeing uh, like a peak of, of a new generation of dualists. Anyway, <laughs> okay, so uh, let's move to like uh, the... Well, okay, so, so pushing ahead to a little bit more present day the last two to three years, um, when we started the MDF, Disparal, you were one of the first people that I thought 
I wanted to have as part of the council um, because of all of these things, really, it's the fact that you, you know, you started off uh, and just kind of, you just took off and became this dominant player. Uh, and so your, your perspective on doom is pretty unique. Um, and so you're actually, if you didn't know this, you're actually the most winningest player um, in MDF history. You've won the most events out of anybody. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm sure you knew that, but <laughs> um, so uh, moving to last year, last year we did um, Take the Crown Duel and Take the Crown FFA, which you participated in both of them. Um, in the Duel event, actually, you won the second of four qualifiers, and um, that advanced you to the the final bracket. And uh, you performed really well throughout the whole tournament. But um, I was curious what your you know, going through um, all the mods that you played in all CTF and how you approached uh, playing in a competitive duel event, because that's, you know, there's a lot of pressure involved um, in that. And so I'm just curious how you, you know, went about approaching that and what your duel history is, because I, I don't, I'm not sure that you were as well known as a, as a duel player as you are, you know, a CTF player. My duel history, I believe there's only been, two instances that I've participated in a dual league. One of them was hosted by Dragon. Um, I, I can't remember the name, though. It was something like, it's like ZDC, I believe, Zandronum Dual Championship. Did he host something like that? But it, it was a wrong Hey, name. it sounds familiar to me. Something. All these acronyms, I don't know. Yeah. But basically, I've participated in that twice. Uh, which had like separate divisions. I've lost in the first one, and in the second one, I've actually won in my division. Uh, the other instance was in MDF itself. Uh, we hosted a couple of uh, dual tournaments, and I think I won only once. I'm not sure, but those are basically the only instances that I've had. Uh, of experience before the uh, Take the Crown. Uh, during the Take the Crown tournament, uh, I've actually like came into the qualifier without any prior practice or warm up. So uh, I've like I got my basically I got my butt handed to me the first qualifier. I I don't think I even made it to top eight. Did I? I think like I, I won one match and then I, I lost two in a row and I was instantly kicked out. So it, it, it was basically a slap. It's like, if you're not going to take this seriously, you're not going to get anywhere. So I started from then. I started like practicing hard and I properly warmed up before the second qualifier. And pretty much I've had no issues all the way until finals. And everybody knows what happened between me and Ghost Killer <laughs> during finals. But, I mean... This is a, this is a week of training, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was only a week, but uh, like it was a lot of practice. Like I would just go in every day. I was just like, anybody wants to duel? Anybody's dueling right now? All right, let me just jump in real quick. Uh, but... To be honest, I was pretty dissatisfied with my performance in the Take the Crown duel. Back then, 
I was in United Arab Emirates. I had my best setup so far, and I've had really good internet. My ping was stable, but for some reason, I just no matter how much I practiced, I still like I still f- performed bad. Like not as good as as I was expecting, which is why I ended up losing to Dante. I ended up choking twice from like an eight frag lead towards the end, and then he would beat me by one or two frags. Do you think that this had to uh, had to do more with uh, like your nerves and stuff inside your head rather than? like any training or or uh quality of connection or or you know the objective stuff it, it was it was mostly just like me performing i just i couldn't play well it was like partly because of nerves but for some reason during that period i, I don't know maybe i was burnt out or just just generally not playing as well. I'm not really sure what the reason was, but I just couldn't play as good as I did uh, like a year prior to the Take the Crown tournament or something like that. I wasn't at my prime, basically. Uh, Then, of course, uh, in the the FFA tournament, uh, you, you got to the finals fairly... Uh, fairly comfortably through the seven-hour grinder. <laughs> oh yeah! But then, but then, uh, I I think I think the the final was a bit disappointing for you, right? Uh, kind of, yeah. Well, the the take the crown FFA was <coughs> a completely different case because I was actually in Syria, and I was like somewhat playing well much better than I did back in Take the Crown dual tournament but I've had really bad internet and a really bad setup like gaming setup so it was the the exact opposite of the Take the Crown dual tournament <laughs> so like I've managed to make it really well during the uh, qualifier or the seven hour hell that we had to go through basically But then during finals, I believe I've had a little bit of packet loss issues, which which was like really bad for me on Automix. I feel like Automix always punishes me for losing packets, which was uh, which was yeah like in in a finals like the take the crown death match. It, it was really frustrating. Oh yeah, because yeah, the, it, everyone in the final was was top tier, and yeah, you you don't get second chances. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bones remembers the the lash out I had on one of the maps. I believe it was Alex Max map, but he, he probably took uh, it. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know I. When you have an event like that and there's money on the line and, you know, it's a big deal. I mean, obviously, um, no, I, I would not take anything personally. I mean, I would probably be just as frustrated. Uh, and I have been in the past, so no, I, I understand. Um, but, I mean, you still finished in top eight. 
and that's a pretty big achievement because you know top eight of 75 players <laughs> i mean that's that's pretty damn good mm-hmm. uh, i i think i tied uh, in fourth place right i think i was I one point away yeah. from third place as well it just proves that the competition was there yeah. as well uh, except for Lang, who was first place, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it was it was sort of like um, almost disappointing uh, for us as as casters, and like Lang so dominated the finals <laughs> that it was like, okay, Lang is winning. We're watching this fight for second place. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> this could have gone better <laughs> if it was more exciting. <laughs> but he just destroyed the tournament. As I, as I've mentioned before, since uh, the conditions were the exact opposite, although I played well and I had a little bit of a lash out towards the end, but like at the end of the day, I just I just looked looked back and I was like, there's nothing more I could have done. I've played my absolute best, but I just, like, the conditions and just my situation in general didn't allow me to unlock my full potential? Question mark? <laughs> that makes it funny because when you had that, like, sort of best conditions in, in the duels... I started uh, playing actually bad, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you proved you're human, and you 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 did what what a lot of uh, top tier players do and choke <laughs> when it's <laughs> when it's most important. <laughs> well, just yet another important tournament that I end up losing. I've been like this for like eight years now. Yeah, I've been on an eight year loss streak. <laughs> well. I you actually in MDF you you have a a pretty successful winning streak, right? Oh yeah, like if we're talking deathmatch alone outside of the Tech the Crown deathmatch tournament and one more that uh, Lang took, I've actually won every single deathmatch tournament that I have participated in. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but in in terms of like major the capture the flag leagues or any tournament that had a prize pool, I've lost every single one. Well, don't feel bad about that. I mean, that was that was the running joke with me for quite a while. Was that <laughs> I lost my first three finals appearances. So you know, it took me like ten years to win something. So you know, there's there's so many factors that are involved. It's not just individually. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you go up against teams that are just. They're going to beat you no matter what. And sometimes, you know, whatever, you just don't play as well as you thought you would. I mean, doesn't really take away from anything. But you have, like I mentioned, and you guys are talking about, you have been the the most uh, successful player in the MDF events. Um, which is, you know, to put it into context, I just won my first MDF event like two months ago. <laughs> For the first time in like two and a half years. So, um Oh, by the way, yeah. I, I want to talk about one more thing. Like you were talking about like these, uh, that like your situation and, uh, you know, the conditions uh, that were different in uh, UAE and, and Syria. And like 
you've been uh, on uh, voice chat with us for quite a lot of these events when we would just, you know, uh, be in the in in the common lobby basically, and sometimes you would be like, oh. I gotta cut off or I, I gotta fix my internet or I gotta like there seem to be a lot of problems with just the genital connection. Like that is that like to this day a problem where constantly you have to be fixing your internet or someone's hugging your you know connectivity. Oh yeah. Well, th- this is something that happens only in Syria, by the way. In in UAE, my internet is always, uh, even if it's shared, it's strong enough to never make me lag. But in Syria, especially after the war subsided, whenever I come here to Syria, I am sharing my internet, which is uh, four megabits per second, by the way. I'm sharing it with, Back then, I think I shared it with 13 family members. It was me, my three brothers, my parents, my grandmother, my uh, my aunt, and her five daughters. Oh. And they all had like a computer or a, or a phone or something like that. And I would have to run around and tell every single one of them, hey, I have, I have a tournament right now. Can you please... Stop playing on YouTube or, or or anything. So, so in effect, you're spreading hatred towards doom in Syria uh, <laughs> by telling everyone to stop using internet yeah, because it's... you have to play doom. Uh, my cousins and uh, my aunt were a special case. Uh, they're they're not living in the same house, but we have a like basically a cable that's running through from our router all the way to their apartment, which is like like two floors below us. <laughs> so like every time I start, like, I would just get up and unplug the cable and then sit back down. And then literally like two minutes later, they immediately <laughs> start calling the house, the house line. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have the same situation here, actually, because uh, my Wi-Fi is horrible. So... Um, but my router is all the way in the other room, so I have this like 50-foot Ethernet cable that just runs along the floor, and uh, people trip on it all the time, and it gets unplugged. <laughs> and it's like, it just ruins everything. Yeah, but thankfully right now, me, my, my cousins moved out, and uh, my basically my brothers don't use the Internet often. And whenever they do, if I, if I tell them that I'm doing something important they just get off so it's been mostly manageable nowadays and is it like uh you know uh, that they're giving you uh, uh, like the sort of a stink eye when when they see that you're playing a really old game and they would at least uh, expect you to play something modern <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not really, because as I've mentioned at the at the beginning of this, uh, is that just gaming in general is like shunned upon here. So whenever I tell them I'm gaming, it's like, can't you do something better with your life? I'm like, no, I don't want to. I'm playing Doom. <laughs> like what? I'm actually, <laughs> I've had a conversation with my dad the other day where 
I would be like, hey, dad, I, I have a tournament in, in two days. Uh, can you tell everyone to like get off the internet by then? And he'd be like, what are you even doing? It's like, oh, it's, a, it's a really important tournament with a prize pool. And then, then he tells me, you've been losing for like seven years now. Why would this tournament be any different? <laughs> so he has a stat sheet. <laughs> he gave up on me. I feel, I feel so sad. Son, you've been losing tournaments. I'm I'm really disappointed. <laughs> Are you losing, son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember uh, the, uh, the the WDL game last season. Uh, it was week three or something. I was playing against... Uh, my team was playing um, Dev's team. And I played Dragon and Toby the first round. And we, we won. And I was trying to get Shadowstalker some, some playing time. So I, I sat Toby, and we lost. And then I was like, oh, okay, Toby, get back in. And, well, okay, we ended up losing the third round. And, uh, you know, I probably learned my lesson. I shouldn't, you know, mess with things that are working. Um, but my brothers were watching the stream. And as soon as I was done with the game, I received more shit from them than I did from anyone on my team about sitting Toby. They were like, you're a fucking idiot, you know? <laughs> so I guess you need, you need somebody to poke and prod you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah you need your dad to be, to be your coach for, for doom tournaments. Like maybe then you will be like, yep. He will motivate you to win. Uh, I really doubt it. My, my dad hates it. Whenever I stay up for a tournament, which, uh, which was, now that I think about it, another problem worth mentioning is that since I wasn't allowed to stay up and the majority of the big leagues were American, it, it would make it really challenging for me to like show up to games that are scheduled really late at my time. I'd be like 2 a.m. and my dad would walk in and it's like, why aren't you asleep yet? Go to sleep. I'm like, I have a tournament. It's like, if you, if I unplug the router, you won't have a tournament. <laughs> <sighs> so I, I guess now I, I could, because we're basically fast forwarded to, to present day. So I want to uh, touch upon a, a different field of your doom interest which is you've basically played jump maze a ton right yes and that's sort of like a sub community of its own and i really don't know much about that but you, you you're sort of like a big name in 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 those circles right yeah so like uh, is there any sort of like competition in jump maze uh Jump Maze was a similar situation for the competitive, which is when I started playing Jump Maze, the competition was dead. <laughs> I would just play casually and there would be almost like nobody else. Like sometimes one or two more players would join and play with me, but I would be spending most of my time alone. Uh, but uh, if we're talking about right now, uh, then, yeah, the competition is actually very fierce. Like, I would say even, like, it's it's on par with the competition of the speedrunning of main IWADs, such as Doom and Doom 2. The records are now on Jump Maze, like, 
most of them are only beatable by by ticks instead of seconds. So, so what was like? Were you a part of this, like like the rising tide, or was there there another reason for like the sudden uptick in activity? Uh, I, as I started like slowly getting better, one of the old like there was there was a clan specific only to jump maze. Uh, it was starting to get back, so I would just like try to impress them. Because apparently th there was some sort of test uh, of several maps that I have to finish under specific time to to be allowed into the clan. Uh, but but once I got through that, I've decided to uh, basically break uh, Wario's uh, records back then, which uh, out of sixty four maps he had around like. Uh, 45 maps and all of them were his records so i just uh, just decided to break that record and have a total amount of records that's higher than his which took me a long time to break actually i think once i started it was only around like a year or two years later when i finally managed to break that but by then the competition was dying again which Ever since then, I would only like play jump maze occasionally. I would like show up to the server, be like, "Oh, this is fun again." Play for like a month and then forget about it again. And then last year, uh, Cyber sort of uh, returned from retirement, right, and released uh, Jump Maze X. Did that anything to to competition? The competition on his watch on Matrix is actually still uh, very one-sided. Like there, there are, there's still not many that people competing, but uh, in terms of competition, it's still bad. But his maps are actually very popular even before they were released. Whenever he would conduct a testing session to test a new map or like just have a general feel for. Uh, the whole wad, uh, like many people would show up. We'd be like 10 people in the server and I would be one of them. I would like always show up to his testing sessions. But even now, which uh, like it's been some time since his wad was released, but the, the competition is still pretty dead for it. Well, and speaking of like uh, related so basically, you're you have uh, this experience with some sort of uh, a single player uh, dooming through uh, jump maze, and then you started uh, dipping your toes into actual speedrunning on on vanilla Doom, actually. So how how did that happen? Because that that's pretty reason uh, recent, right? Yes, I think I started in late 2018, somewhere around there. But I actually can't remember what brought me into the speedrunning community. I'm trying to mm -hmm. remember. Hold on. Because, for example, like uh, th there's there's been a recent huge influx of players into the speedrunning community and some of that was due to uh, 
Carl Jobs doing his uh, Doom videos that brought an influx of people. Oh, yeah. And then there was yeah, you're right. That was actually what brought me to speedrunning. I saw his video of uh, Doom 1 record getting broken. Huh? There you go. Then I, was, I realized, wait, <laughs> are you telling me that there's been a speedrunning community and I've been unaware? <laughs> I remember now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I guess I removed it from my memory because I found it really embarrassing that I wasn't aware that the community existed. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's pretty much when I started speedrunning. I was like, oh, he uploaded this video. Looks really interesting. Wait, there's a speedrunning community. Let me try it. I, I mean, like, for example, like last year, there was also the... The speedrunning challenge on the CTF maps, right? That was run uh, on Odomax. And that brought over, actually, uh, at least Destin suddenly became, uh, you know, a speedrunner. And he's made his mark as well. Uh, so I, I was trying to get into what was your cause, actually. But it's you're one of the, one of the big horde... <laughs> <laughs> that was brought brought by KJ. <laughs> uh, I guess I have Carl Jobs to thank for my speedrunning career. Yeah, and so like you sort of became prominent pretty fast. Like you you don't have a lot of uh, demos on the on, on on the archive, but the ones you have are pretty notable because right now. You hold the record for episode runs, speed episode runs of uh, episode two, three, and four, right? Uh, I think all of them, even episode one. Episode yeah. one as well? Yep, all of them. Uh, but you know how uh, 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 some speedrunners choose to compete only from map one to map seven? And some mm -hmm. you know, count map eight as well. I've actually like okay, yeah, broke yeah. the record for both on every episode except episode three, where Zero Master is still holding the record for uh, map one to map seven. Yeah. So just to explain this, basically, this has historic reasons because uh, old school Doom would not show a timer on map 8. So basically you would only the la the last time you would see would be on uh ending of uh map 7. And so speedrunners sort of instead of like trying to uh get the exact time, they just said, okay, you just count the time of map 7 and then you just need to survive map 8. That's the reasoning. So you could technically have a, a super fast speed run uh, of the fir uh, first seven maps, and then on the last map you could just take twenty minutes, just just you know, uh, lounging around doing. Just nothing. make sure to survive. And it would still be a record technically, but uh, recently this this logic has started to change sort of like this this makes no sense we already know the times like we we can track the times so sort of like we're starting to look at times of all eight maps but yeah you've here's my question some, some, some for, for you uh, 
Why is it okay. that there are still okay, people okay. who only compete up to map seven, like zero master? Well, because of the tradition, like those are the rules set up since 1994 or something. Like, like that was the that was the dogma. That was like, and, and it takes some really long discussions to change anything in Doom speedrunning. So basically, right now, yeah, people are starting to look at like the the record completing all eight maps, but it's still sort of in the legacy mode that, yeah, the seven first seven maps are what everyone used. So when you want to say, yeah, I beat the record, you sort of like need to compare yourself to those guys who only raced on the first seven maps. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's a fucking uh, chicken and egg problem. Just, uh, <laughs> it's, it's horrible and it, it should be changed, but uh, we'll get there eventually. Well, personally speaking, it'll only change my like uh, achievement of episode three, I guess. Because in episode three, as I've mentioned, Zero good. Master that's is good. still the record holder up to map seven. This is but... you're actually you're actually doing your your part in in changing because right now, when you have like uh, when you have uh, a, a record that's beating basically both of, of those criteria, we can sort of like start forgetting the first one. Like she just beat the second one. <laughs> you know all I have to do is beat episode three then. Yeah. Oh but that's going to be so difficult. <laughs> like that 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 is like arguably one of the toughest records out there. Like Zero Master like squeeze map uh, episode three really well. Mm-hmm and yeah, these are like you've beaten some really tough names. Like, uh, in it, it was zero master all around. Like he had some like records in, in all episodes. Uh, but I, I I think there was a, a I think probably it was King a, a run by. Basically, you you've you've been challenging zero master the most, but that was also oh yeah on. On E3, actually, that's that's not Zero Master. That's uh, that's Chewy, <laughs> and Chewy really, really was great at Episode Three. I mean, Hi Django. Wait, really? Wait, Chewy was the record holder before? Yeah, isn't that funny? How you can you can just come in after. You know, you said you started in 2018, and you can start taking out all these records of people that have been around for 25 years. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, because of course uh, Zero Master is a current beast, but Chewy did all his runs in like I don't know 2007, eight, five, somewhere around those those years. So it, it's still like competition with with the past and the present. Interestingly enough, Doom 1 wasn't what I originally started with. In fact, I wasn't interested in running Doom 1 at all at first because I found it really boring to just shotgun everything instead of using the super shotgun. But ironically, even after all this time, I can't get a single run of Doom 2, uh, like all 30 maps, without dying somewhere or screwing up somewhere and I just like 
say fuck this and end oh, the run. It's it's sort of like because Doom actually has all those weaker monsters. It's more about running away from them, just just making a clean uh, clean run without shooting anything you really don't have to. While in Doom 2, you sort of have to tangle with more dangerous monsters and manipulate uh, arch files and, you know, be careful about cyber demons. It's sort of like, yeah, it from a position of a, a, a jump mace player, I would say, like someone who's used to running, uh, you know, no monster a lot. Doom 1 is sort of like home. Like you, you just shoot maybe one or two shotgunners or zombies every now and then, and otherwise you ignore everything, which is not the case for Doom 2. Doom 2, I feel like everything factors in, like the additional types of monsters, the map layout, the extra tricks that you have to, the rocket jumps, and the fact that you have to do mm-hmm. all of that, all 30 maps in one go, as opposed to Doom 1, where they're divided into episodes. Like, the bar was raised a lot for Doom 2, which is why I well, have can actually, not been able can to submit do, a single demo. <laughs> you can actually do episodic runs for Doom 2 as well. It's sort of underappreciated these days, but yeah, you can do episode 2 of Doom 2 as well. Wait, example. really? I was <laughs> just uh, saying. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have not been aware of this. I should have done this. Like, for example, if you if you have a really good uh, attempt at uh, at uh, you know thirty UV and you die at map eighteen, for example, you can still upload that as a record for E one. <laughs> Of Doom Two, like if if your uh, like time at map ten is is the record, that's that's still an E one record. I'll definitely look into that. <laughs> oh, there you go. That, that actually and, motivates uh, me. <laughs> I've been losing motivation lately. <laughs> I've been playing Doom Two every single day, even today. Before this podcast, I, I was trying on Doom 2, but uh, I ended up almost smashing my keyboard when the Cyber Demon decided to be uh, let's just say a douchebag. Keep it uh, friendly here. <laughs> so have you have you looked into like uh, any of the speedrunning on uh, P-Wars or are you staying away from that? Like, Is that an ocean you don't want to be drowned in? Uh... The thing for PWADs is it's yeah it's it's just like what you said. It feels like if I if I go in, I will just drown in, in the ocean. That is all the PWADs out there. But there there are actually like uh, a few PWADs that stand out for me, which I might mm-hmm. eventually uh, try them out. Uh, one of them is Scythe, since uh, obviously. I believe- yeah, obviously, I've seen I've seen a few videos from um, Zero Master King Dime and uh, a task by Four Shock Blast, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so, really. So you're talking insane. about third UV again? Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> Just right off the bat. 
30 UV. Uh, another word would be sunlust. Although sunlust, I would probably oh. be focusing on UV max, but uh, ILs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Because um, I was thinking like 30 UV, UV max, 30 UV of sunlust. Because that's like, the, uh, that's I'm not direct, I'm sorry. Run. Oh. <laughs> That's, I've that's, watched him uh, suffer really for, for so long. There's no way I'm gonna go through the same thing. Yeah, the, those those are runs that these guys are like training for for like six nine months to even get one exit. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, I commend their mentality, but. I lack that sort of mentality. My keyboard would would like last less than uh, than a 30 UV sunlight exit. Do you find that um when you're trying to to you know get better times and and as what do mentioned is you know doom one's a little bit more like running away from uh running away from monsters and then you've got you've got a lot more to deal with um, in Doom 2, and so you, you really have to work on your movement, and um, you know, do you find that practicing this as much as you do that it translates to you know some of the other competitive game modes that you play, like CTF? Do you find that you um, you know you, you can you can use tricks that you know a lot of people you can use myself, you can use me as, as an example that you know we wouldn't be able to do that might help you you know get a leg up probably the other way around actually like playing in competitive and in jump maze helped me a lot with starting off on doom speed running but every time i i play like like crispy doom which is the port that i use to speed run doom i'd like launch sandronum later and find that my aim is off because i'm, I'm used to like uh in Crispy Doom, much like ZDMN, it just keeps the vanilla style and the vanilla settings. And then you have the drone that uses OpenGL and looks more modern. So every time I do that switch, it, it throws me off a little bit. So it's kind of bad, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I can totally see from my own experience that, yeah, switching between... Uh, Setups is why. Why, for example, I was never uh, into playing with OpenGL. Personally, I would just stuck to uh, software whenever I could to lessen that weirdness difference. But yeah, for example, uh, the different mouse uh, behavior in every port is sort of like like annoying on a on a deep level. Oh yeah, now that I think about it, there is one thing that Doom speedrunning helped me in terms of uh, playing in competitive or even jumbies, and that's uh, SR50. In in Zandronum, uh, a three-button SR50 is like became normal, but in in Doom speedrunning, three-button SR50 is considered cheating. So I had to go through the trouble of binding of like my turn left and turn right on my mouse and and I had to like practice from scratch on using those for SR50. 
but it, mm-hmm. it made it like made just using three button SR50 just that much easier for me. Yeah, like the, it's sort of like uh, there's actually uh, quite a bit of the core skills mechanics that's shared between uh, UV speed speedrunning and deathmatching, like dueling or, or running flags. Like uh, the sort of aim you, you need in, in say, uh, CTF de- uh, defense is not translatable to uh, single player because you don't you don't need to aim at monsters really they're they're so slow that they're basically static but the core movement when you're uh, running UV speed or escaping from someone chasing you with the SSG yeah that's that's really important and that's translatable yeah, I mean, the reason why I asked that was because I always felt like, for me, I, I try to pride myself, I guess, on, you know, if I get a, I could I could play on any laptop or any computer or whatever, because my setup is so simple. But I also think that, you know, the evolution of my, my game, or my, my movement, I mean, I don't, I don't really have any, you know, so it's more about um, actually being able to aim and like using my brain. Whereas, you know, lots of people are doing the speed running thing. They're doing jump maze, they're rocket jumping and all this stuff. And it's just, it seemed to me like you could kind of steal stuff from, from other, from other um, avenues and, and translate them into, you know, capture the flag or duels or whatever. But um, yeah, I think that's interesting that you, that you think it, it it's actually more harmful. It, it sounds, it's almost like when you are playing one port, like like playing Xandronum a lot, and then you go to play Odomex, and it's like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, you, the the setup is so completely different that you it takes you a minute to adjust. But surprisingly, I don't actually have that much uh, problem going from Xandronum to Odomex or Odomex to Xandronum. Like the the differences I feel are minimal for me. But going to Z Demon or to Classic Doom speedrunning is uh, it's entirely different for me. I don't know why. Well, I mean, uh, I think we we learned quite a bit. I mean, you have, like like we've said a couple times, you know, a really unique story, um, and the fact that you were able to actually play games at all is kind of a miracle. And then to to make this transition from someone that just played, you know, against bots to. <laughs> One of the best players that we have today. No, I'm not. Not at all. It's. It's. I mean, you know, where where you got to learn somewhere. I mean, but yeah, it's just. It's a cool. It's a cool rise from from basically just being an unknown player to to where you are now, breaking records and you know, um, captaining in all the capture the flag leagues and. Doing really well in dual tournaments. Uh, maybe not winning, much to your dad's chagrin. But uh, I, I'm not <sighs> sure if there's there's any other part of your <laughs> your history that you wanted to to talk about. But I mean, I think it's a really unique story. I'm glad we got to tell a little bit of it. Oh, and uh, what? One more question. Like, uh, where do you see yourself in the Doom future? Possibly. Like, do you want to say something about that? <laughs> Uh, 
Well, I'm probably moving to Germany very soon as well, hopefully. But that's not going to stop me from probably just dragging my setup with me, getting a decent connection, and then smashing some more noobs in Doom. Probably going to be playing Doom for a couple more years at the very least. So playing Doom with 20 milliseconds ping, is that what we're looking at? This peril no more handicaps, hopefully, and then I'll start playing bad. <laughs> so, so will you be one of those players who will complain about Brazilians uh, abusing lag reconciliation? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be one of those who says, uh, uh, hyping makes you shoot first. <laughs> <laughs> that, that the tropes... Sorry, that's all. yeah so um if there's anything that we didn't cover um Uh, what do you think but just uh just a message out there to to all the players is that if if i rose from absolutely nothing like like the absolute worst conditions to play on doom you have no excuse to quitting this game that's a good point. Yeah, I use can, that. You can start with bots. Yeah. <laughs> as good as this panel, eventually. I mean, you have to find a port that actually has bots, because um, those are actually limited. Um, but yeah, you can play with bots. And then if you look at it from... from So you look at it from Disparal's perspective. You could look at it from my perspective, too. You could fall from grace um, and and still be here and (laughs) anything's possible anything is possible that's the that's the underlying part of this episode is that anything is possible do it and if you've made it this far do it you can you can be like me you can go off the beat and just get the the table duty you know just pushing paper (laughs) (laughs) exactly all right well Thank you for being on the show, Disparal. I really appreciate it. Thank you for hosting me and listening to my story. Yo, what up, Dumas Deadites? It's your producer here, The Motherload, just reminding you once again, if you like the show, there's a lot more out there like it. You can find all that stuff on inthekeep.com. You can also find ways to support our shows, In The Keep, Dumas Dead and Bernie Bridges with Bridgeburner. You can find our Patreon links there, and you can find our merch store and buy whatever the fuck you want on there. We don't mind at all. Till next time, remember that Doom is dead or whatever. I don't know what Bones wants me to say here, but uh, inthekeep.com, doomfederation.com. You're beautiful. I love you. Stay in the keep, bitches. <laughs>